Welcome to episode 333 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, April 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. I am trying out a new mic, folks, tonight. Uh, it is my Bluetooth, uh, one that I use for work all day long. It is rather convenient and comfortable, but if I do sound like crap, please let me know. Don't take it out on the ratings. Just take it out on me, and I will switch back to the tethered one. You know, it's, I'm just trying something out. Listen, Sunday is backup day. You see a lot of backup players in Sundays. You see the you know, backup catchers almost always in on Sunday. So you got the backup mic in, and it might not be – Hey. And I'm like the second catcher on this thing anyhow, since you and Eno were the most. I'm, I'm like your Sunday catcher. I'm the guy that comes in. I'm hitting ninth, so I get it. But, so if, you know, please, if leave a comment, say, Jason, it sounds like crap, and I'll go back to the tethered one. Um, I'm, not right, using, but... I'm not using the USB tabletop one uh, that I used to have back in the day. That folks did not um, love that one. No, folks, folks didn't like that one. I, I was looking at the one that you got, and I was like, I don't want to spend that. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'll stick with tethered in the worst case, but, uh, yeah, weather's still awesome here oh, and, uh, jealous. cooked out, have some friends that are my, one of my wife's best friends is moving up from Orlando. So she's all happy. Now I just need some of my friends so to you, move up. From you, you need somebody to hang out with now too. Um, you're getting all good weather then because I'm, I'm, I'm back home after Boston, but it's uh 65 and rainy all day and yep. that's pretty lame. So oh, gorgeous here, but it's supposed to be 90 on Tuesday, take- uh, but I shall not be here. I shall be uh, in Yankee Stadium on Tuesday night for the Ooh, first time. Ooh, That's awesome. Yeah, I got I got to go to Fenway this past weekend and it was amazing. I was really, really impressed with it. You know, it's got it's got parts that are new feel, but you get the old feel when you're walking through it because it's just, you know, so tight. You know, cramped is really the, the right word, even though that's yep. that's real negative connotation. Like it, it didn't necessarily bother me, but you can definitely feel the old building of it um when it is that cramp but then a lot of new amenities the suite that we were in for the dfs boot camp was amazing the game was really good nice four to two game kimbrell came in looked unbelievable um i think there was some shakiness earlier a couple bombs here and there but you know if one outing is ever any, any indication which it can be with a reliever uh, he certainly looked like some of his best and you could you could even tell from far away in the suite so nice weekend all around a little bit chilly uh, in the 50s and 40s, 30s in the morning, but uh, I got out of there. I got hightailed it out of there this morning, got back to even coming back here where it's not quite as warm as it was when I left in Austin. It was still a good 20 degrees added, so uh, I'm, I'm cool with that. I just got to get rid of this rain, but as we always say in Texas, we need it anyway, so um, let's dive in. We're going to do a mailbag episode primarily today. We're going to talk about a couple pitchers that we've been kind of keeping an eye on, some positive, some some negative. Um, and then, and then answer four of your questions today. So again, sleeperpod at gmail.com. I asked y'all to go ahead and start mailing again, got, got behind on it with draft season and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, there was a ton that went unanswered. Apologize for that. We're not going to go back to them because they were like draft questions and things like that. So we're basically kind of restarting and a bunch of you responded. So we appreciate that. we got a bunch of them today. We'll have a couple maybe next week with Eno as well. But first we got a few pictures to talk about. Jason, and we're going to start on on a little bit of the negative side because it was a really tough outing today for Corey Kluber, who's now 0-3. If I'm heartened by anything, though, it's the fact that uh, first and second round, first and second innings were three runs apiece and then four strong innings after that. So he actually still ended up with eight strikeouts, one walk in the six innings of work. But the fact of the matter is we're three starts in and Corey Kluber has a 6-16 ERA, and that's tough to deal with. He's not the only guy. I mean, we were talking about this off air. 
you know, we have Chris Archer who was 0 for his last nine and trying to buy a win. We have Matt Harvey who can't get a win. We've got Granky off to a mostly rough start. We've got Klubot here having a bad start. I'm up and down. A lot, a lot of dudes are having trouble uh, getting it going this year, and it seems like those. Yeah, the, the the lower end guys, everybody's like, hey, you know, I don't, you know, we were joking off air. Matt Moore, Shane Green, two guys we'll talk about later, both having good starts to the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, your ace is Kershaw still doing well. Chris Sale's still doing well. But, but, but it's like some of this other stuff, it's all over the place. Yeah, the best pitcher going is Vincent Velasquez right now. Uh, oh, my God. That was porn, porn, porn me, this week. Well, oh, my God. We make sure that if your first inclination is to discount it because it was against the Padres, um, a, you're wrong. You're just, you're just wrong. I'm sorry. Yes, you can take a little bit of flavor off of it because it's the Padres, but just a little. You don't go getting 27 swings and misses against major league teams on the regular. That just does on not happen. Fastballs. It was on, on fastballs. fastballs. That was too. what was unbelievable. Yep. I had to go back and because it was during the work day, so I'm not watching it, but I'm getting. I, I was uh, I got something on my phone, and then you know my Phillies friends that I'm always referencing. Yes. Every time somebody has a decent start, they're like, "Hey, Jeremy Hellickson for Cy Young." That's probably been happening. I'm looking to you down. A lot, I'm like, um, "Are you guys even watching this game?" Apparently, he's like dominating, uh, and all of a sudden, here oh, Vincent Velasquez for Cy Young. So I went back and watched the uh, uh, watched the condensed version of the game, and I was like. Damn. <laughs> he could have gone, gone 12 innings, I feel. Oh, the way just, he was going. He was going, pitching in a rocking chair. Ex, ex, loose as he was, Velasquez could have gone 12 there. Of course, that would require the uh, uh, Padres to actually score some runs and keep it going. But, yeah, he was just dealing. Really love what we're seeing from him early on. Had a really good start against the Mets to open his season. He's now got 25 strikeouts in his 15 innings of work. The, the one thing about him, the only real thing about him, and we'll get to this actually a little bit more because there is a question around it. Uh, from somebody named Paul, and I swear it's not me, uh, is that he's going to face a little bit of a, a of an innings workload at some yep. point. It's definitely going to happen. So we'll talk about whether or not you should sell and maybe what you can expect there if you want to trade him maybe for a hitter. So we're not going to get too much into that. We, we do want to kind of go to, uh, back to Kluber here because you didn't yeah. see today's start, but you did see the one before, and it was also a struggle. Again, these have all been struggles with Kluber, so I felt comfortable going back to his other start even though neither of us had seen today's fully. I, I watched like – Two innings of it, I was really focused in on my Tigers and then actually watching some Pistons basketball, if you can believe it. But they're not usually playing in the playoffs lately, so I, ha <laughs> I had to enjoy a little bit of it. And they were playing pretty close with the Cavs, so I, I, I was pretty Detroit-centric today. So what did you see from Kluber two starts ago against your uh, Tampa Bay Rays where he looked good, but then maybe was left in a little too long? Yeah, so, I mean, for the most part, that's the thing. He looked good early on. So this was a week in, in the Tampa Bay offense. You, you, you've seen me tweet and bitch about it a lot this week. But let's be real. They have faced a bunch of really good pitchers uh, already this season. And then this week, it was it was Kluber, it was Carrasco, it was Salazar, it was Sale, and, and then they got a break with John Danks, and then they had Quintana. So that was their week. <laughs> Uh, and the offense finally woke up this weekend when they stopped facing damn aces. Uh, but in the the Kluber Kluber was the one they beat of all the good pitchers. Kluber was the one they got to. And and the 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 thing about the Kluber start, he was rolling through six innings, and then he comes out in the seventh. He was at 90 pitches. So I mean, in in your head, you know, you're trying to manage on pitch count. So you're thinking, okay, 90 pitches, seventh inning, Kluber, no big deal, right? Sure. And then you're watching his, uh, you're watching that at bat. I'm trying to go back. 
in my head you know, as I think about that particular inning. There was he ended up giving a home run up to Logan Forsythe, and that's what broke the game open uh, because I believe it was a one-one game at that time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get it, that. It, uh, I'll get that eighth inning here for you. It went fly ball out to Souza, but then a walk to Kiermaier. Strike that's what it was. Swinging. The Kiermaier walk. The Kiermaier walk was uh, he lost him. I, I want to say he had him. Uh, in a decent, he was way up in the count. He just lost him. He had him and it wasn't like it was close. It wasn't like it was close. He had him 0-2, and then against Kiermaier, uh, and the, the earlier bats in that game were not good. And then uh, he lost them, uh, being down 0-2. And then you said it was a strikeout for the next guy. Yeah. Then he struck out Conger. Then came Forsythe. Oh, Conger strikeout. That's, that's easy. And so the <laughs> so you strike it out Conger. That's nothing. Uh, you know he's just swinging at everything out of his shoes. Um, but the issue, the the foresight that bat he missed with a fastball. Uh, even in the Conger bat, you could see it, the the catcher's glove moving around quite a bit in this. So you're like, okay. Let's, let's try to get somebody going on. But in the foresight that bat, he had him 0-2 as well. Say, that was the biggest issue is that he got a called strike, got a strike swinging, and it says blocked by catcher here on Baseball Reference. So I assume he buried the breaking ball. And then ball, 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 homer. That's Yeah, and then, I mean, the ball, 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 the the 2-2 pitch was a breaking ball away. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't competitive out of the hand. And then 3-2, they were set up. They were set up. Uh, inside because he had him set up. I mean, it's just, it was a pitch execution thing, but he had been missing location all inning. And then, so he set up there and then that fastball leaks right back out and up. Kaboom. Yeah. It was gone. I mean, right out as soon as he out of his hand, I jumped cause I could see it coming. Uh, it just when you, you saw that catcher's glove and you could see the location was going to be piss poor, but I mean that one, I, they should have yanked him earlier. I mean, Logan Forsyth is one of the best uh, hitters in that lineup, if not the best, um, this year, he gives you the most competitive at bats. They had Logan Morrison, I believe, was hitting next behind him. Logan Morrison's one for the frickin' season. You know, why are you throwing? Why are you giving Logan Mo- Logan Morrison a-, a pitch to hit? I don't care if it puts two guys on base. Yeah, you're still in, pitching Logan Morrison. I mean, the, the difference in, in Logan's there is is pretty sharp. Morris, uh, Morrison, again, like you're saying, not playing well this year. Forsyth has now been really good for a couple years. Um, actually, kind of like what the end right. of 14, all of 15, and then early early starting, looking like he's going to have another good season this year. So, and then it fell right. apart. Um, Cody Allen comes in, walk, homer, and finally gets out of the inning, and they lose the game. So, you know, it, something like that, you don't freak out over with, with with Kluber, but he had a little tough, a couple tough innings against Boston in his opener. Yeah, give him a little bit of a break for the cold, but at some point, you know, we're making a lot of excuses. My concern with Kluber, and I still do like him, I would frankly be very comfortable going out and buying right now. But the one thing that's stu- always stuck with me is that Eno says he has a bad fastball. And I, I totally understand that because when he struggled in that, that first breakout year, the year that I really kind of took notice of him, it was mm-hmm. the fastball that would just get beaten around the yard sometimes. He'd have these terrible starts. And the way I really noticed Kluber was like four or five starts in a pretty condensed period against the Tigers. You know, sit down and watch all of those. And you could see him when he was really good and really bad. He really played both ends of it um, in those games. And it always came back to the fastball. Well, then during the Cy Young year, he shifted more to the uh, to the sinker, I believe, is, is what was really spurring him. But also really getting to the secondary stuff a lot easier that year because the fastball wasn't getting beaten. 
And then, right. then again, last year, it came back to where the fastball was a trouble issue where, you know, it started early in the season for Kluber that the defense wasn't supporting him and hits were kind of skittering through. But even later in the year, he'd still have the blow up starts. And this is something that Brian Kenny honed in on uh, in the offseason. He talked about this weird phenomenon where we still have the, the strikeout to walk ratio situation can be misleading at times because take a yep. game like this where we see an eight, uh, an eight to one ratio. And that's excellent. But I think he said it was the most games ever, the most starts ever last year, where there was a uh, five or higher strikeout to walk ratio in a game, but also five plus earned runs. And it was Oof. just this ridiculous spike in those games. So it's like they're still getting the strikeouts, but they're not always the indicator that they used to be. He referenced Phil Hughes had gotten a bunch of those. Oh, shit. Um, it, you know, it should be the Phil Hughes stat. Exactly. Yeah, we've talked. We've talked about this, and this is, uh, you know. Uh, Mike Salfino is is one guy who talks about a lot about the strikeout minus walk uh, walk percentage, mm-hmm. and we have it on the Fangraphs leaderboard K minus BB percentage. And it's to me, I never look at I don't it, back in the day I used to look at K uh, strikeouts divided by walks. I mean, like wow, it's yeah, got, I got a four to one ratio. I don't day. I don't even look at that thing anymore. The scales too because the, the K minus BB uh, works, and even I've seen Mike talk about um, using innings pitched as a as a uh, denominator for that. But K minus BB works enough for me. I like it better. So if we look at if we look at Kluber, you said what what is the strike? I mean today that's his uh, like right now. If we look at his uh, strikeout minus walk percentage, it's seventeen percent, which is okay. It's not great. Well, that's, that's um, but if we look at if we look at the um, uh, look at his um, strikeout to walk ratio. Strikeout to walk ratio. I want to pull that up so the, I can uh, see what the numbers are. It would be um, three point eight, which would stand out which as is a lot good. better than 17 percent yeah so 3.8 you're like wow because i mean really it's, it's two and a half two and a half to three to one is what your good guys do yeah so right. the fact that he's at 19 you know 19 to five like like you said that's you're like wow that really oh maybe he just got bad luck well no i mean he's we we talked about that we we had hoped that the improved defense behind him would be something for him but you know the batting average and balls in play thus far through three starts is is even higher than it was last year he's at 342 um, uh, so sorry, 357 right now, which was he was an even 300 last year, uh, and he's not uh, he's not straining guys on base because you know, obviously he's giving up the runs. He did give up the home run, um, gave up the home run to Forsyth that we mentioned earlier. He had given up a single to uh, Desmond Jennings in a matchup that he you know that was that was the other thing in that one because you know if you've heard me rail on Jennings, it's the fact that he struggles against good velocity up, and the fact that Corey Kluber left the fastball down to him which is something you shouldn't be doing that's the one area if you're if you're a right-handed pitcher and you're pitching jennings just get it above his belt (laughs) if you get it below his belt he's going to have because he's got that extra half not you know extra half a hundredth of a second with it with the perceived velocity issue if you get it up he won't lay off it he will swing at it uh and while i'm watching this in my head i'm thinking man kluber you, you this should be an easy one for you you got jennings just you know give him the high heat and be done with it and he went he missed low and that's and that was this that kind of precipitated the next inning. That's when I first noticed. Okay, you're missing location because they had set one thing and the pitch went to another place. So I was like, okay, he's missing location by quite a bit. Let's see what's going to happen as as he gets down the order so, um, to that. I mean, he's not the, the stranding runners. He's only allowed two home runs and three starts. Yeah, so this is a that. matter of it, to me, it feels like hard contact. I didn't see the other two starts. The Rays, may, I think, had three hard-hit balls all week with four-size <laughs> Longoria and four-size homers being two of them. Uh, so I can't tell you what the context's been like uh, off him and why the batting average of balls in play is so high. But, uh, you know. It was 9 knocks I'm bu- today I am off buying. of Kluber. 
It I'm was, sorry? It was nine knocks off of him today, though. Three three doubles, a triple, and then five singles. So Wow. That's, and and, and that's the Mets wild. aren't exactly a powerhouse offense. I mean, they're, some of the things there, though, the Mets, I mean, their offense was just terrible for the first seven or eight games. Yeah. So it's a matter of what goes down has to come up. Sure, same it's with just what we're matter seeing of, the Twins right now. Yeah, who who are you gonna catch? Because I remember listening and joking with our friend Seth. I'm like, man, I think you guys got two hits tonight. Congrats! I think it's a record this year. <laughs> but it's like they they weren't doing anything with runners in scoring position. I think Conforto was the only guy hitting. Duda wasn't doing anything. Yeah, and uh, Cespedes was chasing stuff. They couldn't stay that bad because it just they're has not to, it has that to bad level out. It has to normalize. And we saw it with San Diego. I mean, they got shut out for what 86 straight innings to start the season. <laughs> and then they, and then and then they blew up. And and Melvin Upton's hitting walk off homers well, now. The best prescription of that when you when you get shut out to start the season is to go to Coors, and so that really got them going. Um, yep. Go to Arizona and fit, yeah, <laughs> pick up where you left off. What's kind of funny is that now going to Philly isn't necessarily a, a remedy for your for your hitters to do anything with the starters that they're rolling out. They've got some pretty decent ones now. That bullpen's a different story, but um, I'm still buying Kluber as I mentioned. Are you yeah. or are you worried? No, I'm, I'm buying. Okay. I'm just, I'm just not, concerns that we have. I'm kicking tires. This is the time. I mean, this is the time when you can get guys to press the panic button. Yes. This is when you can really buy low. That, that phrase obviously gets thrown out so much. And a lot of times it's just kind of BS because, you know, the guy won't be sold very low at all or anything like that. This is a situation now where you have a chance to actually get a discount on somebody. You can't wait till he has another good start or, or something like that. And it's not going to work with everybody. Like I said, if, if you're coming at me uh, with Kluber in one of my leagues, I'm not, I'm not moving him, but I guarantee you can find somebody out there who's ready to move him, uh, particularly for some flashy, you know, hot starter right now, not like a Velasquez straight up, but Velasquez plus can get you Kluber. And I would do that in a second if the plus mm-hmm. wasn't too obscene. So, all right, let's talk Matt Moore. It's our weekly Matt Moore update. I know we talk about him a lot, particularly Jason and I, but we really like him for one. And for two, he's just been a guy who's kind of gone up and down, and I think he is deserving of the consistent analysis to kind of see where he's at, not to mention the fact that he had a beast outing. So I, I am interested in your thoughts because I do believe you got to watch this game today. Six and a third, five hits, two runs, both earned, zero walks, which always jumps out even more than the 10 Ks for somebody like Matt Moore because I believe he can get Ks. I love seeing the zero BB. Um, 18 swinging strikes, big day for Matt Moore. He's been looking good, had one batting inning against Toronto. Otherwise, lots of good out of Matt Moore so far this year. And the one bad inning, bad inning against Toronto was one bad pitch. It yeah, was, it really it was. It was the Josh Donaldson. Yep. It was pitched. You saw it out of the hand. You're like, oh, man, no. You knew it, it was one bad pitch. And he had another one uh, in, the, in the next downing. But today I watched uh, probably four innings, and I listened to the, uh, the rest of it. Uh, and what impressed me was the, the use of the secondary pitches. I mean, he, got, he struck out Todd Frazier three of the four times Frazier struck out today. He struck out Jerry Sands three of the times, and Jerry Sands was up to hit lefties, and he just couldn't make contact. And, and he, was using the, he was using the secondary pitches. The one um, he got chased from the game because he left a changeup up to Avisel Garcia, who knocked in a run off him. Uh, and that was one. You're just like out of the, you could see it. The pitch was the right pitch. He just left it up. The, if he, if he would have thrown the changeup where he had thrown the rest of them all game, 
Garcia's over the top of it, but he left it up, and Garcia was able to short and go right back up the middle with it. And so the, the command of the secondary pitches was great, and that's what I liked. Even the fastball command, he was able to use it. There's a couple times I think he had two three ball counts all game. Wow. There were a couple of times where he fell behind the count two and one and threw threw a changeup to get get back up even in it. I like that. And so that was nice. One of the things I wanted to go back and look at was the uh, you know uh, Jason Hanselman, uh, the guy that. Uh, Writes with me at the process report. He was tweeting earlier and saying that the gun only had him at 91, 92, but he's been hitting 95 and all the other ones. Uh, so we don't know if, if Trop had him nice and slow, but he said that any Romero had a regular gun reading later in the game. So who knows? Okay. But uh, Quintana was about the same too. So um, that's one thing to look at. But I, I wasn't close enough to the TV because I was doing stuff in the kitchen. The TV was on the other side of the room. So I wasn't paying attention to gun reading. I was just seeing swings and misses and called strikes and, and the lots. kind of command. And honestly, this is what he looked like. If you think back to that one, uh, that playing game against, not the playing game, the wild the, card the, start against the, the Rangers. The game, the Matt Moore yeah. game that everyone, myself that included, one. really fell you know? for. So here's one. When I look at it, I tweeted this out earlier. So I want to look at the, the last the last nine games before his elbow blew up and his most recent nine games. So that before the elbow blew up. We're looking at a 428 ERA, a 163 whip, um, striking out 18% of the batters he's facing, uh, and you know, and the batting average. I'll get the batting average in a second. And then his most recent nine, 296 ERA, 110 whip, and uh, so the numbers are, are much better when you look at it that rate. When I switch, so when I switch over to the rate stats. As the screen refreshes here, um, so rate stats, you could, the, the strikeout percentage said was like 18%. Um, the nine starts before his elbow mm-hmm. blew out, or it's 19%. It's been 23% as most recent nine. Um, we would look at weighted on base average. It was 344 then, 300 now. Oh, uh, so a lot of stuff in the walk rate. This is what really jumps out. 13% walk rate uh, at, leading up into his injury, 6%. Again, in his recent nine. That's so the, the command is biggest tremendous. thing for me with Matt Moore and somebody like yeah. Aaron Sanchez, both of them. That's where I look first, to be honest. When I go check their line score, I'm looking at the walks. I want to see what's going on there. I think that's a big indicator of what they're going to be able to do if you're just looking for something snap to look at to kind of get an idea. Obviously, you got to investigate further, but I was really impressed that Matt Moore went 10 strikeouts, zero walks today in a big outing. And Brooks actually had him 93-94 uh, with the fastball. Yeah, I saw that. So, you know, with the two seam and the four seam and he threw about 67 or 57 of them uh today of matt moore's 97 pitches so he's working those two fastballs really well like you mentioned the secondary stuff was there as well when you got the two fastballs the change up and the knuckle curve he's working on three different speed levels i really really like that i like when a guy can have speeds to change to and that's a big factor for matt moore right now as well so you know he's still available in probably a lot more leagues than you think so i mentioned this a lot when we're talking about a guy that you assume is is rostered in your league don't assume just take a check obviously you know you're gonna know your league better but you, you just never know like i thought he'd be higher even at espn leagues i know they cater to the smallest of leagues among the 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 three main ones with cbs and yahoo they're more 10 team mixer I think Yahoo's closer to more 12 teamers and then CBS goes much deeper, has a lot of only leagues as well. So 32%, I think he's got to be higher than that even in 10 team leagues for me. Matt Moore, I would say at least 50%. What do you think? You would think so. You would think so. Um, I, I'm trying. I already have him in every place I possibly could. So I'm staying on. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying not, on I'm this. I'm anywhere. really happy about the return. The, the, it just kind of backs up what he looked like in spring training. 
So I, I'm not going away from this at all. I just it, this remind this is the Matt Moore that we had that we're like, man, this it's so glad this, this guy is finally up this in is, the minor league. Yeah, this is the one that we we've been obsessed with now for several years. So we're not going anywhere. Take a look, just see if he's two available. Bad pitches. Scoop I mean, honestly, two but the, the pitch to Donaldson and the hanging change up to Lindor. Those are those are the punished. two home runs that he's given. He got punished uh, for him, and that yeah. makes it look a lot worse. But when you really step back and look, you're like, yeah. Two, two mistakes. They punished him for him, but we like Matt Moore. We got to move on to the next guy, another guy that we talk about frequently. But this time, it won't, it's not going to be me talking about him. It's Shane Green, but we're going to let you talk about him because you broke him down over at RotoWire. So I'm very interested. Well, I already read it, so I'm not even going to pretend like I didn't. But I am interested to hear your findings uh, for everybody else. I'm, I'm very excited for everybody else to hear your findings. What did you see with my boy Shane Green? Because I thought he, I thought he looked damn good. In that in that debut, I thought he looked damn good in spring, and I've been harping on the point that you know he was hurt last year, and I don't understand yeah. why that that's not the clear reason that you know that he sucked, like that most people understand. That's how I understand it. I don't think I'm being a homer or just liking a guy. He couldn't feel his fingers. Now he can feel his fingers, and he was dealing against Pittsburgh after some early troubles. What'd you find? Yeah, so we we look at him in that particular outing. It, it, what was impressive is. If this is the same Pirates lineup that put a whooping on on Verlander two yeah, nights prior, just, right? Just two nights before, and then Shane Green comes out and starts dealing. And Shane Green did it mostly. All of his strikeouts were with breaking balls. None of it was fastballs. Maybe he set it up, uh, and then you look. I, put, I embedded a highlight clip into it, and he and he put a hat trick on McCutcheon. All of them with breaking balls. Uh, and then he got Mercer. He got Harrison. He got uh, Vogelsong. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and then he got he got Starling Marte. And then this kind of goes back. Eno wrote his piece about Shane Green a few days ago, talking about and showing the the pitch FX data that shows he basically is like throwing four different types of breaking balls. Uh, and he linked out. To, he talked about how Luke Gregerson uh, has got like three different types of breaking balls. All those different stuff he throws. But my my larger point with with Shane Green is this is a guy who is if we let's let's just group the breaking balls in the one, right? He's a three-pitch pitcher. He's a fastball, he's a breaking ball, and he's a change-up guy. Well, two of those pitches are field pitches. Getting back to what you were talking about, uh, the whole thing you've mentioned, if you can't feel your fingers because you've got nerve damage, it's be tough. all of a sudden, how can, you throw, you know, how can you throw field pitches? And one of the things, we, we often talk about spin rate, and the, the, the simple fact is the more the ball spins, the more it moves, the tougher it is to square up. So what I, one of the things I looked at was a spin rate uh, for Green on his pitches. The funny thing was last year his spin rate on his fastball was pretty much the exact same as it was in 2014. Wow. That wasn't the problem. It was That's the brand of the blader. It, it, was, so the, it was everything uh, else. Yeah, the, the, so the, the slider, the, the spin rate on the slider went from 1,100 RPMs to uh, 1030. So there's a drop-off. The curve went from 1439 to 1253. That's big. That I mean, is that, big. That's a lot. I mean, that takes – if we compare it for a fastball, if we take if we go from 2200 to 2000, that's a lot more hittable, right? And and then the uh, the changeup dropped 150 points too. Well, not only 150, that, so but you're throwing that in with the lack of command for the same reason. Yeah. It's also tough to command it. So even if you were getting the same spin rates and you were laying them as meatballs across the dish, that ain't gonna work. And and that was the big issue with Shane Green. It just that he couldn't command anything, and we finally learned why when uh, when he had to have the thoracic outlet syndrome uh, surgery. And so that's why I thought it was easy to buy back in. First off, the price was dirt, dirt cheap, even cheaper Nothing. than last year. Nobody's interested. And I still look at him. I see a lot of stuff. And he throws 94, 95 as well. It's not a, he's not a junk baller. It's that he's got a deep secondary arsenal, though. Mm-hmm. 
in addition to throwing heat. So I'm still I'm still ready to invest. I mean, I've got him everywhere. Like he's two dollars in Tout Wars is what he went for. Um, I was hoping he was going to be my first reserve pick if he did not get taken at the very end of the draft because uh, I, I threw my last four dollars on Erasmo. That's right. Uh, and I'm not I'm not displeased with that at all. He's no, they're in the good same group, in his I role. Think. Yeah, they're pretty. So, um, but he was going to be my first guy. I did get Shane Green um, in in my my local AL league. I got him at the end of the at the end of the auction for uh, two dollars. So very happy about that. Uh, and I would have picked, like I said, would have picked up more shares of him if I could. Um, but it really looks good. And they, you know, they've they've said that he's not there just to hold a place for Daniel Norris if he keeps pitching well. He can have this job, and he finished spring. He looked good in spring training. Well, remember his last start, he struck out nine Orioles, and that, that was the great. everyday lineup. It wasn't. It wasn't the Peterson the Bond. Joe Schmoes that were just in camp uh, no. to hang out. Remember he struck out I nine regulars. Uh, yeah, he that. got nine regulars. So, it, it, so we're, that's a, I think the stuff speaking up, kind of like kind of like Matt Moore again. We joke about we know none of us pay attention to anything in spring training, but. You get down to that final week and you watch a guy mow through a, mow through a softball team and strike out nine guys. You, you stand up and take notice. And we and we see what Baltimore is doing when the when the lights are turned on. So I'm not I'm not saying that they weren't going hard against them or anything like that. That's when it's those late spring ones. You can actually put a little bit of stock in it when the guys are going six seven innings and and seeing right. the same uh, starting lineup a couple times as well. And so that's a big deal. By the way, uh, Jock Peterson bomb off of Samarja Samarja man. It's bad. Goodbye. It's bad. Uh, we're out. You know what I said? We're out. I think you're out. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, we're somebody out. would speak at me today, like, "Hey, who would you take, Matt Moore or Samarja?" I'm like, "Oh no, God, Matt Moore easily." Moore for sure. I'm just, I'm out on Samarja. I just, I can't do it right now. I got to see something. He's got to win me back because one of my biggest issues right now is he's just throwing a ton of different fastballs with very little. I just mentioned with Moore about the the changing of speeds. Everything's kind of in the same speed cluster for Samarja. Oh, Not a lot Lord. of movement. It's not good right now. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, we're always talking about the stuff that, that we get, the, the, the T-shirts, the T-shirt jerseys. I was in Fenway. I got a Dwight Evans T-shirt jersey. I'm really, really happy you with that. You took a great Buckholz picture for me. And I got, you know, I, I, I know you would have wanted it. I probably would have bought it for you a year ago, but I know you guys were on the rocks because of some off-the-field issues. We don't have to get into them between you and Buckholtz, but they were uh, – it's it's a tumultuous relationship right now, so I didn't figure that would have been the best gift. But they had everything in there. It was great. I went in there thinking I was going to get bets or Bogarts because uh, those are the two Red Sox that I do really like. But then I saw the old-school ones, and then it became Boggs or uh, Dewey, and I had to go Dwight Evans because, first off, he's kind of – a little bit underrated, I think, and 24, my favorite number. So it's pretty geeked uh, about getting that. But we also, you found us a new site to kind of go ham on. And tell us a little bit about Baseball Swag and, and what you've been getting from them recently. So this, this is the fun thing. So you, know, you I've often tweeted or talked about the, the don't bunt 16, make America rake again. Yes. It is my favorite t-shirt graphic i've ever seen we talked about it uh last month and i was like oh i want this shirt i want to wear it the towel words but they were out of them turns out the, the baseball swag listens to this podcast what? i get a direct message all of a sudden he's like hey i i heard you guys mention this on the show and i'm like awesome i i love when people listen like that like that so they are sending that shirt over and i was like oh thank you i cannot wait to wear it you i want to go to the ballpark because i i have the uh you know, I've got the different ones, the ones that I've bought from Baseballism. I have uh, that. I've got to see the you got your Bautista my T-shirt bat collection flip up, one. too. I've got the Jose Bautista bat flip, the Edwin Carnacion parrot, the dealing aces, first pitch strikes, get ahead in life, 
Um, I feel like I'm missing. I've got a couple other ones. I've got a oh, the Never Bunt Hit Dingers, infamous one that made it on TV for an entire game. That's right. Uh, but the 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 Don't Bunt 16. Uh, as soon as I get it, I'm wearing it to a Charlotte Knights game. That's great. Uh, because in fact we were t- oh, you know, I had the conversation with one of my uh, salespeople. They were just talking about because he's a big college baseball fan, and I'm like, I hate the bunt. And I actually have, I it's to the point now. I carry the run expectancy chart, the updated <laughs> one that has 2010 to 2015 on my phone. Yeah. So I'm like, here, let's let's look at the numbers. This is why I hate the bunt. Uh, and I was reading something. I saw a tweet today. Somebody was talking about there's a triple A game. But I think it was between Tacoma and Albuquerque, where the leadoff guy got on, the number two guy bunted and failed, the ne- next guy tried to bunt too. This is all in the first oh inning. It, in and if it was in Albuquerque, oh my God, that that place you can you can bunt a homer, so you definitely shouldn't be bunting there. I'll tell you the one I got my eye on over there at at baseballswag.com is the um, Woman Crush Wendy one instead of Women's Crush Wednesday, which is the Twitter and Facebook Instagram thing. But it's a uh, Wendy Peppercorn from the Sandlot, and if you don't like that movie, I mean. I'll, I guess I'll still be your yeah, friend. We can't be friends. It's going to be tough. <laughs> Our friendship's going to be tough if you don't like that movie. I just, it's a really good, fun movie. I really enjoy it. And Wendy Peppercorn was and is amazing. I think her name is Marley Shelton in real life. And shouts to you. By the way, it's thebaseballswag.com. Thebaseballswag.com. Anyway, yeah. yeah. You know, listen, we like to talk about the stuff that we get, let you guys know where you can get it. And so we figure we would mention them since they do listen. Why don't we acknowledge the fact that they listen and that we like their stuff? So. Go check it out if you like cool baseball shirts. They're doing it well. A lot of folks doing it well out there. Um, and, and Jason and I, <laughs> our collections are ever expanding. I really like the one that said yard work too and like the John Deere logo format. I almost, yes, yes. That's the other one I that loved. One was really they said, hey, which ones do you like? And I was like, the Never, the never Bond is, is the Don't Bond is the one I absolutely want. But the yard work one is the one I, I was a big fan of as well. It's great, great stuff. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your 20 buck rebate though, all you gotta do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Okay, let's move on to our mailbag. And we're gonna start with Maxwell. 
Because, guys, I'm in a 16-team league. I have Brett Lowry and Travis Shaw, and my pitching is weird. I go from Kershaw and Sale to high upside guys like Eikhoff, Descofani, Hendricks, Aaron Sanchez, Velasquez, and Rich Hill. I'm thinking of getting more stability. How about I trade Shaw and Sanchez for Shelby Miller? What do you think? Well, this was sent in before the Shelby Miller injury, so obviously we're going to say no on that because we don't really know what's going on with Shelby's injury. Had a hand issue. Um, really, really cost me yesterday because at the DFS boot camp that I mentioned, which is why I was in Boston, we each, uh, the five of us who presented, we got with our own table of, of, of attendees, and we all made our lineups. And our lineup was a little bit we, – we, we eschewed the Max Scherzer kind of obvious play there as the best pitcher, and we went cheap to try to get a bunch of bats. And so we had John Neese and Shelby Miller. And if Shelby Miller just does decently, doesn't even have to be great, just kind of get six innings and don't get clobbered, we definitely run away with it because our hitting dominated. Instead, he gets hit in the hand in the second inning, and he's out. So we don't know what, exactly what's going on with him in terms of if there's going to be a DL or not. But obviously, we don't want Maxwell trading – for Shelby Miller right now. If you look Correct. at a Shaw and Sanchez combo there, or put Laurie in with Sanchez, whoever you want to do here, whatever combo of one of those two hitters plus a pitcher, uh, or plus Sanchez, I guess, what kind of pitcher do you think you could get? I, I would have been fine with the Shelby Miller thing. I'm kind of known as the guy who does like Shelby Miller. I know a lot of folks don't. Uh, Dave Laurie was calling him um, Shelby Miller. Uh, out out in Boston, and I thought that that was a clever nickname, even though it was it was very rude, and I disagree with it. I like Shelby Miller, but um, we, like I call it Jeremy Shellickson. Exactly, exactly, okay. very good, and Clay Suckles. Um, but I'm looking at the ADP because I think it is still relevant for kind of this first month. Then we can kind of start getting away from it and not just valuing based on that. But I think early on it is still kind of useful. So I look right around Shelby Miller's uh, average draft position. I see guys like Michael Pineda. Jose Quintana just ahead of him, and then Yordano Ventura and Colin McHugh right after him. Any of those four guys, would they interest you for a combo like um, Shaw and Sanchez or Phil and Lowry or Phil and Rich Hill? Whatever you want to do there with kind of one of those lower-end pitchers and one of those two hitters, would any of those four pitchers jump out to you as something you'd want to do? You're you're the Miller guy as much as I am the McHugh guy? Yes, I think that that's, that's, where, that's, I, that's where I would go. I mean, Rich Hill seems to be – when you think about – because I own Rich Hill too. It's one of these – Rich Hill's back. a weird thing. Well, yeah, I mean, he's getting he, – the command's been all over the place. Yeah. That's kind of been the thing. He's been able to command his curveball, but not his fastball. Go figure. Uh, but he's getting he, – this is the early season weirdness of him. He's striking out over 13 per game – 13 per nine <laughs> innings. crazy. But his bad bit is 485. <laughs> uh, it's just insanity when he does it. And, but he's getting 53% ground ball rate too. He's like all over well, the place that, for that this thing. defense is so bad. That was one of my concerns with Sonny Gray this year. Was 485? I mean that that's insane. Obviously, that will come down. But I'm just well, saying. Chris Archer at 4:36. That has to come down. I would hope. <laughs> I would hope. It's a lot of him. A lot of him goes back to the same thing we were talking about Kluber. But those issues go all over the. That's all game long. Yeah. Long. Chris Archer can't command his fastball right now. It's as simple as that. Go watch. Go watch his. Uh, go watch some of his archive starts. If you guys don't believe me, he cannot command his fastball. And then you can't get Not to the slider off problem. enough. And, and this, well, the, the slider looked great against Toronto. He struck out 12 guys. Yeah, absolutely. Slider's fine. I, I, may, I tweeted during that game. He's commanding his changeup in his slider better than his, fa- better than his fastball. Might have to start but his fastball back. command was garbage. And his slider was garbage in the last outing against uh, against Cleveland. The slider was rolling up there. It was not – it had no depth to it. It was going more side to side. And 
people are just kind of waiting for it. They're like, okay, let the fastball go. Here comes the slider. Now crush. So you, I have seen, I've honestly seen nothing from Chris Archer that's that's making me any less anxious about owning him, which I don't have him okay, anywhere. So you wouldn't, but if I do have him, I'm a little nervous. You wouldn't, because like, what about what about with Maxwell here, our guy, a guy that we're talking to? What about like a Velasquez in one of those hitters for Archer? Again, considering that Velasquez is on a super high. But also we know that we just we know for a fact that he's not going to get the same kind of workload that Archer is uh, unless Archer gets hurt or something right. like that. But I mean, I could take a shot on track record because, like I said, the velocity, velocity was back in the last outing. Yeah. People were like, oh, his velocity's down. Velocity was fine, but the command has been crap. And, and I don't – it's more frustrating to, in the fan of me to watch – but if we take pieces, if we take the slider from game one, and, and the, I've been impressed by his actual trying to use the changeup a little more. Yeah. But it's just again when he needs to make a the uh, when he needs to make a pitch, he can't make it right now. No, and and the big issue with with Archer that's jumping out, um, particularly in that Baltimore game, you know, four bombs. You know, you just don't. You don't that's see not, him no, usually me, give I'm, up I'm a lot. I'm writing that off in cold. I'm writing that off in cold weather. Okay. Okay. It was 40 that's good. degrees. That's good. He won't say it, but I'm completely writing that one off. But this last start against against Cleveland just was – I was no, just yelling at my TV. I'm like, oh, my God, stop. <laughs> Here comes a fastball. Right, Everything was – he was flying up a little early, and the stuff was rising up. And poor Hank Conger was all over. The, the other issue in that game was Hank Conger was catching him, and everybody was running on Hank Conger. I think they stole five bases in that game. Oh, my God. Like, he's so bad. It's so weird. For 50. For him to uh, and throwing uh, out guys, your favorite team because of how they value how they value catchers and how they'll often take a catcher who is a complete zero with the bat because he's so good defensively. And now they ostensibly were hoping for kind of the opposite: a guy who may could maybe hit and and hit away for or, or out hit his bad defense. Yeah. But he's not even hitting. And you're right; it was five stolen bases. It was two off of da- uh, two for Rajay Davis. Two for Kipnis and one for Lindor, so that's brutal. Yep. So and it wasn't even and it wasn't even close. And and one of them was a steal with uh, at least one of them was a steal with third. The problem is they don't have any other options. Yeah, Luke Maley just got hurt Triple A, so it's it's basically Carlos Corporan is is the catcher um, at Durham. Well, yeah, we liked him two years ago. Yeah. Uh, at least he can it. throw. But they, I think they've got to go out and sign someone. The, the, they've got to find a second catcher just for Durham. Uh, and so Casale started the last three games, and Casale's better back there. We knew, we, I mean, you know that Hank Conger's doing for the bat, but he's killing himself up there because he, he, you, you mentioned know, earlier, he's throwing fastballs. He's, all he can do is hit fastballs. Swinging out of and his he's shoes. Not seeing it. Oh, he's swinging. He's, he's got terrible. He, he and Morrison are just like piling up. If, if terrible at bats were a category, they'd be dominating. It. But you know, because you mentioned it offhandedly about a particular at bat, I don't think I've seen a Hank Conger at bat this year where he didn't swing out of his shoes. And I even noticed it at one point. I was like, he swings really hard. Oh, but that's why he also misses the ball all the all the stinking time. So Maxwell, we gave you two options there: either in that same middle tier of a Miller or shoot for the moon with Velasquez. I know it's tough to trade him off of that excellence, but you. That kind of leads us into the next question from Paul, who understands that maybe it is the time to sell high. He says, guys, I'm looking to sell high on Vincent Velasquez since he probably won't pitch more than 150 innings this year because he only pitched a total of 89 last year. Who should I target? Now, Paul, need you to clean it up a little bit. This is a little bit too vague. We have no idea what size league you're in. Uh, we have no idea what you really need if you, want, if you need a particular position of hitting or if you were looking to just upgrade in pitching. So it's a little vague, so we're going to have to go our own way here. And so what we're going to do is just kind of talk about some 
hitter or hitter for pitcher one for ones that you think you could get done. We'll start in the outfield and then maybe give me one from the infield, whichever position you want. Who do you think could net you could nab for Vincent Velasquez? Let's assume, since we don't know, that it's probably at least a 12-teamer because he probably wasn't even owned in a lot of 10-teamers this week for the amazing start. So let's assume at least a 12-teamer. Who would you be targeting as an outfielder that you think you could get in a one-for-one deal for Vincent Velasquez, Jason? Oh, he wants an outfielder. Okay, well, I'm, no, thinking... I, I may, I'm making that up. I'm saying we're going to start with an outfielder. And give them each a name, and then we'll do one infielder. You pick whatever position you want that you think you could get done. Because he didn't give us anybody. He just said, who should I target? Oh, he was talking about – I was looking for a pitcher for pitcher straight out swap um, is what I was looking at. Who he could target with that that, that people may be – because I don't want to, like, high for high. I'm, I'm trying to think of – let's let's find yeah, you're not somebody saying... who's got up to a really slow start. Yes, and try to say, you know, Yeah, bell, buy low, sell high. So um, let me try to look at something. Somebody that's uh, – does it kill you to try for Snell? Really? I mean – Striking out 41% of the time. Is uh, somebody really going to be holding on to him that much? I think you could get that done. I actually think you could get higher though because I, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the Snell owner is so disgusted that they Carlos might Carlos Gomez sucks out of the gate. And and his Kevin Pillar sucks, but he really sucks out of the gate. Yeah, I and he's starting to move down in the order. I think Michael Saunders batted leadoff. Marcelo Zuna sucks today. out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, these are all guys that these were all guys that were drafted well ahead of Vincent Velasquez, who are terrible right now. Could you get? Um, I think you could get Jason Hayward. He's been pretty bad. You should be able to. You should be able to. I mean, if if you're depending on what you're trying to buy. You know, Corey Dickerson's another guy that oh. has some home runs, but he's got nothing else yeah. right now. You know, some of those types of guys are having slow starts. Hell, my boy Lorenzo Cain's not doing much right now. Getting on base, he ain't running. Why? Well, I, I don't. I, All that money I spent on stolen bases and tout, and I've, I'm next to last that's again. How, how frustrating is that? I understand you made a concerted effort, but don't give it up. Obviously, you know it will turn around, but it is frustrating. You know. I'd be interested. Obviously, if I could get Kane, that'd be great. I, you know, throw that out there maybe. See if that's something that's available to you. Jason Hayward, maybe something that that's available to you. You know, these are these are big shots, but there, there's a chance. David Peralta is somebody that still doesn't have a lot of name value. You might be able to get that done. And if you couldn't get those upper names done, I would do something like that. Anybody on the infield, again, you can go kind of whatever position you wanted um, that you think you could maybe get for Vincent Velasquez straight up deal. Here, one of the, as we as we um, talk about this, let's understand. Let's say this is a 12-team mixed league. At 150 innings, he has to absolutely dominate the 150 innings to have more value than a 180-inning good pitcher. Yeah, not, right? not even a great one. Yeah, it just not a even good a great one. one. Just 180 good that's one. Because 30 that's extra gonna innings. Be, that's going to be 30 extra innings. So let's say five more starts, and let's say the guy's striking out six, six and a half. So that gives him an extra 30-something strikeouts. Possibly, let's say he wins half of those. So six starts, three wins, 30 strikeouts. That's a difference. So that, I mean, he's got to absolutely dominate. And that's why I have got no problem ca- trying to capitalize on this and be like, hey, let's get out there and try to get something done. I fully I mean, agree. you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at – if I'm going to trade him for an infielder, I'm looking at something on the corner. Yeah, trying got, to think of some guys. Mike Moustakis is off to a slow start. But I've got I like a host of third basemen. Um, Anthony Rendon, Kyle Seeger, Todd Frazier. I think you could put yeah. out all those names and conceivably get something done. Should be able to, especially so, yeah, especially with Todd Frazier getting the golden sombrero today. It's you know? It's been tough. It's definitely been yeah. tough for him. So there, there's some ideas, Paul. You should be able to sell high um, in the future. 
be a little bit more specific so we don't have to kind of go off on our own. But uh, hopefully that gave you some ideas of where you could go. You know, don't don't be silly with it. Don't be going for a top four round guy necessarily. But, you know, you know your league. See where you can shoot for it and see if you can get something done. That's pretty nice. Let's move on to Salvatore's question. It says, Jets, I've become very nervous about Jake DeGrom. I was nervous with the diminished velo in spring, and now this lat issue is making it worse. If he comes back next week and puts together two, three good starts, I'm going to consider trying to sell him in a 14-team league. Who are some guys you would consider targeting as centerpieces to a deal? And the names that he mentions are King Felix, Mad Bum, Chris Archer, Garrett Richards, anyone else appreciate the feedback. So let's use his hypothetical here that the injury is only a couple uh, next comes back next week and then has two or three good starts. So, you know, nothing bombed out. Doesn't even have to necessarily be all three elite ones. Maybe one really good one and then another two that are just solid from Jake DeGrom. First off, would you then try to trade him? Um and then what do you think you could get from a pitcher standpoint? Because he looks like he wants to do more of a pitching trade, even if he had to throw in something with the Grom. I, do, I never am a big fan of trading guys low because you're trying to get better. So if you're going to trade for somebody low, you got to buy somebody who's on the low. That's true. Well, he did um, mention some names that would be buying low, right? Mad Bum, Archer. Archer. Yeah, yeah, Archer. And then on the – on a real note, you know, congrats. I'm glad to hear that Degrom's newborn son is, is on the on the um, things are going well because oh, of yeah, the issue. Yeah, they said that on Saturday that he had to take a leave because of some health issues. Yeah. But they reported today that things are a lot better there. So that's, that's great. Um, yeah, so you know, that aside, I'm not trading somebody low because it's it's always tougher to trade somebody low because again, you got to buy somebody low if you're trying to buy somebody high and everybody's like, oh no. Like, there's going to be some moron out there that's going to say, no, I'm not trading Vince Velasquez for Jake DeGrom. No, no you're, way. You're right. You're right. That, that, there's going to be some guy be out there moron. doing I'm that. I'm sorry. That, you, you, you could not turn that down. That would be crazy. Here's the thing with, like, a DeGrom for Archer. They could both kind of just get back on track, and then what's really the difference? So, honestly, I probably wouldn't necessarily look to trade him. I understand with the velocity piece – and the lat making it concerning. But if the velocity doesn't get better, I don't even know if you're going to be able to get those names that were just mentioned. Because, you know, Archer's going to get another four or five starts in this in this interim as well. He could be right back on track already. So if you're waiting until DeGrom shows something, that whole landscape could change. Honestly, I'd be more inclined to just hold. I really think I would because I agree with you. I don't really want to trade low on DeGrom. And unless he had three great starts that were like vintage last year. Not even vintage. I guess you can't really go vintage when it's only a year old but if you got right back to last year then then i guess you're 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 selling high at that point or at least kind of at an even is there anybody that jumps out to you that you'd want to trade at that point if there were three just really good 2015 level starts everything looked back the velocity was back on track would you then be more open to trading Degrom? and at which point then who would you want would you go buy low on somebody else um, selling high at that or, or at least again selling even at the worst yeah, I mean, Garrett Richards is somebody's 0-2 out of the gate. The strikeouts are there. The walks are low. Um, everything's in line for him except his, you know, he's getting crushed on, on the batted balls in play is where things are going wrong for with him. him. You could get – if DeGrom does the hypothetical that I'm saying here where there's three just really sharp, you know, quality plus starts, so not, not just the six and three, but even better than that for all three of them, then I think you could get Richards plus. 
you know, get a little bat upgrade or something like that. Possibly. I'd be but, I mean, like right out of the gate. He's 0-2 with a uh, ERA is 3.57, but all the other skills are right in line with where everything else is with him. Even Absolutely. the you know the the Quintana, unfortunately, everything all his skills are in line too. Uh, even though he took the loss today, three starts, one win. And that's always the thing with him. He gets one win for every three starts. So maybe this is the year he's finally going to get 10 wins. Uh, But all the other skills of Quintana, and he's consistent. He's always, you know, you'd have to get something else for him. uh, But you could get a Quintana and something smaller because I I wouldn't want to do that on a one-for-one deal. But, you know, while while DeGrom's got the higher ceiling, I I think that Quintana's got the higher floor. Wait, how are the White Sox 8-3? and I feel like everyone, every White so Sox. Did they play the Twins, I think? Did, okay. they, play, did they play the Twins a yes, bunch? I think they did. Because every, every White Sox person that I have on my team sucks right now. I've got Todd Frazier shares. Except I've got Melky. Avisail Garcia shares. I've got one Melky share. Um, I even have some Brett Laurie. I guess he's been okay, but I don't have really the Abreu and the Adam Eatons of the world who are both doing really well. And I was shocked to see that they were 8-3. and three. So sorry I said they suck. Obviously, they've been doing something right. Uh, but I think maybe you're you're onto something there that it might have just been some happenstance of playing that awful Twins team. But yeah, you I could think do. That it's got to be when you look at, like I said, Melky's done well. No, yeah, they played the Twins. They swept. They took three from the Twins. They took uh, two of three, three of four from Oakland. Um, swept the Twins and uh, split a thing, a, split a two-game series against Cleveland. That's just a weird one to have. Was there probably and then, a rainout uh, then? And then uh, dropped two or three to Tampa Bay. I bet there was something weathered. Oh, yeah, 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 there was. There was. So they dropped two or three to Tampa Bay. Well, Salvatore, hopefully that helps. I'd stick tight with DeGrom right now. Obviously, you said you want to see something more from him, so that's that's good. At least you're not trying to sell right now. But I think if he does get back on track, just just hang on to him. All right, last question here from Henry. He says, I lost Schwarber. Haven't found a replacement I'm comfortable with. I did manage to scoop Nomar Mazzaro last week. Having trouble getting him into my lineup because we only have four outfielders. And I'm not sure what will become of him once Chu is back. Got an offer of Grandal and J.J. Hoover for Mazzara. It's 12 no. teams, three keepers no. each, and Mazzara's tag no. will be $1 next season. No. I'm going to read the rest while you continue to say no. Side note, I have Chapman and haven't been able to find a bridge for him yet. So bad, as bad as Hoover's been, or yeah, bad as he's been, Hoover might be useful until Chapman is back. Also, it's an OBP over average, so Grandal gets a little bump. I'm so torn. Would solve a lot of my problems, but I would hate to miss out on a guy like Navarra. Are those two enough? Jason, what do you think, man? <laughs> hmm, let me guess. Uh, no, no, yeah, no. no I'm, I'm with, Hoover's garbage. I hate yeah, I, Hoover as a pitcher. No, there's there's so many. There's there's better options out there. We've talked about it. You know, Jumbo Diaz is eventually going to get that job. On that note, sucks that Sergio Romo is going to be out for a little bit with his issue, because uh, I really liked him in, the, in that bullpen. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't. You got to shop him around. Mazzara should be. You need to. Hey, I'm considering trading him. I'd be curious to see what this other, what these other four outfielders are that that can't crack the lineup because. Name value may be one thing, but Mazzaro's production is producing. And who cares what happens? You got him for another two. He's going to be out for at least another month. Exactly. Enjoy the ride. Exactly. You know you what? You don't have to give this guy up right away. Enjoy the ride. You, you either figure out a way to get him in, trade a different outfielder, or get a lot more than that. And I like Grundahl, but at the, at the same time, I, I'm starting to recognize that injuries are just a big part of his game right now, and that's part of catching. I understand yeah. Um, and so that's a bummer with him. And then Hoover, I knew you were going to be out on that right away. I that's am too. You got to consider it. It's a two for one. So who is he going to cut to make room for JJ? And it's Hoover. probably somebody just as bad 
and you got to yeah, you got to no, factor that into it as well. In terms of two for one, you yep. have to factor who am I going to cut? So now it becomes a two for two. You always you have to factor that in unless you had an open spot. On the fence on that two for one, if we throw in the other guy, if that's going to like, oh, forget it. If I got to give up, if I got to give up Mazzara and, you know, shoot, I'll just pull a uh, Zitch, you know, pull that out of the air. I don't oh, want to yeah, do that. Well, yeah, don't you don't want to cut him. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of trying to think of a second name that you're just sitting there. That, oh, I got to cut that guy. Always factor in who you're going to cut, and then yeah, if that's if you were already on the fence, and you got to cut this guy, you know, no, it's not going to be any better. No, I fully agree here. A catcher and a garbage reliever is not doing it for me. Would you target a different catcher, by the way, in terms of um, moving moving around somewhere in the catcher ranks? Would you maybe go for? You know, I don't think you can get Posey done outside of you know you'd have to give something pretty big with Mazzara. And I don't necessarily want to do that. But are you comfortable going for Grandal as the piece there and then getting a better closer type? Or would you maybe go for Steven Vogt, Jonathan Lucroy? Are you a Sal Perez guy, Brian McCann? Would you go for a different Evan catcher? Supposed to catch start, Evan Gatt is supposed to catch start next That's week. That's right. He is. That's something you may want to you may want to try to consider. You could get Mazzara and a and a much better closer because then the the catcher piece. This I is think, an OBP. This is an OBP league too. I'm also trying. I'm going to kick the tires on Chris Iannetta uh, as a part of it, not as as the piece. Because well, you get the better closer if you take that lesser catcher for sure. Yeah. And and you know McCann is is dominating right now, so it would definitely be another probably in that Hoover range if you got him. But McCann's better than Grandal, especially right now. So. Um, there, there's some options there. Don't do that deal, Henry. We don't, we do not like that deal. Um, get your, get your emails in the sleeper pot. Wait, the sleeper pot or sleeper pot? I think it's sleeper pot. I'm checking. I think it's, I don't think it's the, I think it's yeah. the baseball swag and then sleeper pot. That's right. That's right. Sleeper pot at gmail.com. Get your emails in. Um, we're going to be doing more throughout the season, of course, not necessarily always on Sunday, but, um, we do enjoy getting your emails and there's some that you guys say, Oh, you don't have to do it on the show. And I'll try to respond to those. And sometimes I just try to respond to a handful of them. So get those in Jason. I should probably, I should probably get access to that Gmail box because you here's, well should, here's the thing. So people that listen to us, I need to, I need to talk about this real quick. You know, some of you guys will loop, will loop, you know, Paul and I into daytime tweets asking about lineups and I'm not being rude when I don't respond. But I have a real job. I'm the one guy on this show who has another you job. I call that it a day job because my job a is definitely job. real. Okay. Yes, I didn't mean to discredit. I know. I know. I, was just I being... am the one guy who doesn't do baseball full time and make money off it full time. So I have the day job. So I cannot be on Twitter saying, "Hey, start this guy." You will see me make tweets every now and then during the day. It is mostly if I'm either on a tarmac, on an airplane. Or I'm going to be honest on the crapper. All right. <laughs> so, so that's that's if I'm tweeting. So I am not. I so if I do tweet during the day, it is typically uh, some of the things are scheduled. You'll notice that some of these things are I have them roll out at ten or noon or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I'm over breakfast, I will make observations. I'm like, oh hey, and I'll just schedule it out so something's popping out during the day. Uh, but it's not me sitting there tweeting it during. You know, I'm not going to tweet something at ten thirty seven in the morning. It's you know it's going to be something I have scheduled for 10 or 11 or something like that um, that way because nobody's reading Twitter at seven o'clock in the morning so I want people to you know, see things during the day so if I'm not responding I'm not being rude we've talked about if you want to go if you want some responses go to go to rjbullpen.com post them a lot of people now a lot of knowledgeable people there too but um, if you if you're a little frustrated with me not responding to you on Twitter that is why on the weekend different story Monday to Friday can't do it I can do it so 
you can email, and if you want to email Jason in the in the uh, sleeper pod at Gmail, I just gave him the access to it. Some of you have entitled questions to either Eno or Jason separately, or all three of us. Um, I'll make sure they Eno has access to it as well, and so Jason can get in there every once in a while, maybe answer some of your quick questions if you want that done. Jason, we got to get going. We'll be back in a week. Good luck with with your travels as always, and uh, we'll talk next Sunday. Yep. Take care, man. Bye.